you don't even need us to communicate to you really how great you are you don't because you are that by what you do regardless of how we feel Lord regardless of what we do however when we fall short you always are sufficient you always come and pick us up brush us off and send us back down the road tell us to walk you tell us to run father running after you as hard as we possibly can and father I thank you so much for the gospel I thank you so much for the fact that there's nothing that I or we can do to earn that but Lord in the midst of our sin in the midst of our shortcomings father you freely give this to us you freely give us mercy. You freely give us grace. There's nothing we can do to earn that. But for whatever reason, you say, you know what? I love you enough that I'm going to give this to you. You are a great God because of that. And Father, we praise your name this morning because of it. Father, we love you. We do. We love you with everything that we have. And we don't want to miss out on this morning or miss out on something that you want to to give us uh, and so father we just we want to be totally and completely submitted to your spirit this morning submitted to what it is that you would have for us Everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Right on. I'm just going to rock this handheld. That's good. I'm not used to it, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Everybody's looking good this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you could have chosen to spend your time anywhere, and you've come to spend it with us. And for that, I am always grateful. We are always grateful as a leadership and a staff here at ESIS. And so, again, welcome. We're going to continue in this book of Romans, which has been uh, an unbelievable book to, to walk through. Um, it's been interesting to see Paul, the Lord use Paul to speak to the church in Rome um, in a way that communicates how much he cares for this place, but also how much he doesn't want them to miss out on the truth and miss out on the truth of what the gospel is. So what we're going to get into this morning comes to what you see on the, on the screen there. Justification by faith. Now, if you've been here for the past, I don't know, a couple months, at least the past five weeks, let's say that, the messages have been just a little bit abrupt. <laughs> They've been a little bit, not necessarily coarse, okay? But Paul gets after some stuff. He gets after the truth, about unbelief and he gets after the truth about sin and he also speaks to the Gentiles and speaks to the Jews about how everybody is on the same uh, everybody is on the same level everybody is on the same right here everybody on the same field. Uh, you guys hear me now okay technical difficulties we just 
kick him out the window, all right? It is what it is. <laughs> but you guys, are you chuckling with me on that? That Paul didn't want to necessarily withhold the truth from anybody in fear of hurting their feelings. I hope that we don't, uh, we don't do the same thing. Withhold the truth from somebody in fear of hurting their feelings. So he's speaking to the Gentiles, he's speaking to the Jews, and saying, look, there's nothing about what you're doing that is going to save you from the judgment of Jesus Christ. Jews in their self-indulgence. Excuse me. Gentiles in their self-indulgence. And Jews in their self-righteousness. He wanted to make sure Paul, as he went and established or contributed from his anointing as an apostle in Rome, he wanted to make sure everybody was speaking and operating out of the same gospel. Your gospel or your, your faith, as it says in, in chapter 1, um, he's saying that their faith was being proclaimed throughout the entire world. Well, he's saying, look, let's just make sure we got the same, the same faith, the same gospel. So we get all the way to chapter 3. And we're about to, uh, I don't want to say finish up chapter 3. We're going to hit chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 today. And this is a point in, in Scripture where, again, Paul is coming after the truth, getting everybody on the same page, and is convicting to us because he speaks to the Jews at some point and says, if you claim to be a Jew, if you claim to hold the oracles of God, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, then you got to act like it. you got to walk like it. you got to smell like Jesus. you got to look like Jesus. So that's, that's very, very convicting to me. I hope it's convicting to you as well. So what we have to understand is that what's about to be spoken here is Paul kind of gets off the rearing back and smacking people in the face to kind of what's a hairpin turn. And we now get to talk about the amazingness of the gospel and the amazingness of Jesus Christ. Amen? But here's my... Here's my problem with thinking that it's a hairpin turn. That when we look through the middle part of chapter 1 all the way up until halfway through chapter 3, Paul is simply coming with the truth. And you've heard me say this before. He's simply coming with the truth in the reality of what sin is. The truth in the reality of what it looks like to walk away from God. The consequences of unbelief. And when we are not walking in the truth, you better believe that feels like somebody's throwing haymakers. When we are not walking in a way that's according to the, the calling that's on our life, you better believe that it's going to be confrontational. But it's confrontational in a good way. It's revealing. It's simply just saying, look, there's nothing you can do to get yourself close to the Lord. There's nothing you can do to justify yourself. There's no amount of works that you can step into that is going to wipe away this thing called sin. See, what we're about to read here, I don't necessarily think that Paul lets off the gas. Because if we're going to bring haymakers about the truth and reveal how wretched we are, then he's going to bring haymakers about the truth about how awesome and powerful Jesus is. 
Is there anybody in the room? Amen? Amen. Sometimes as we sit in these pews and we get hit in the head with the word, <laughs> I hope that that's not what you guys feel like when you walk out of here. Okay? That as much as it's revealing and we can say, oh, pitiful, poor me, and the Lord doesn't want us to do that, but at the same time, he wants us to know the truth. Okay, the truth about my sin is not very fun to look at. But let's also look at how tr the, the truth and the, the, the power that's in the gospel um, and how that also cuts and how that also is supposed to hit the inner man. Are you with me this morning? So this justification by faith, I'm going to read this, these scriptures. And we're going to get into this this morning. But again, and I love that back there. That's the future of the church, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, but you got to understand verse 21, literally, it's, it's not a pendulum swing. This isn't manic depressive, all right? This isn't one side of the spectrum, we're so horrible. Other side of the spectrum, God is so good. It's truth and truth alone. So here's what this says. It says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. And then the famous verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. As I've kind of already laid out to you guys and spoken of this morning, the, um, the problem that the Jews had is they thought that because they were carriers of the gospel that that task in and of itself put them above anybody and everybody. That that task in and of itself was something that said, hey, look, I get a free pass. And the Gentiles on the other side of the spectrum basically saying, look, what's good for me is good for me. What's good for you is good for you. Now, the very first part, if we could get uh, verse 21 back up on the screen here as we begin to walk through this. Uh, it says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Do you know that Jesus, in and of himself, operates in the three years in his ministry when he was here had nothing to do with the law. So why should our behavior be any the same? Be any different, excuse me. That when he healed people, he didn't come in and say, you know what, it's the Sabbath, I can't do that. It's this, that, and the other thing, the, the stars aren't in alignment, the clouds aren't looking right, I can't, I'm not ready for that yet. Now let me ask you this question, how often have we said that? 
Lord taps on your shoulder to go talk to somebody in the store, the supermarket, call someone, I don't know, and we say, you know what, I got some things I got to do first. I got some things I got to get done. I got to get right with the Lord before I go and give some of myself. See, he's saying, look, even Jesus himself was manifested, demonstrated apart from rules and regulations. That, ladies and gentlemen, is so comforting <laughs> in so many ways that it is purely the gospel of Jesus Christ being demonstrated to us on a day-to-day -day basis. Amen? Now, before I get into more of this, uh, let me, let me kind of make this analogy for you. Has anybody in this room ever been hurt? Yeah? Physically, emotionally, and I'm not talking like somebody said something to you in third grade and it kind of hurt your feelings and you don't even remember who that is or what they said. You just kind of like, eh. No, I'm talking like something crushed you. Emotionally. To the point where you didn't feel like you were ever going to regain who you were. Something happened in your life. Somebody did something to you. And it brought you so far outside of who you are that you didn't feel like there was any way that you could return to who Jesus made you to be. I'm talking about being crushed by something. Anybody had that happen in their life? And it's okay to throw your hands up for that one. Because if you're human and you feel things, I guarantee if you're over the age of five, you've been through something like that. Now, what sense would it make in our carnal way of thinking about things that whoever that person is who wronged you, that person walks in this room, and yeah, you may have forgiven them in your, in your heart, but you're saying to yourself, like the world always says, well, I can forgive, but I, I don't have to forget. I can be civil around this individual or in this certain situation. But that doesn't mean that I have to open myself up and be vulnerable. If that person came into this room, I guarantee none of us in here would, would say, you know what, as the offended, you being the offender, whoever that person is, let me make a way for you for reconciliation. Let me make a way for you that we can make this right. And you know what? A lot of the times in relationships, whether you've been married for however many years or whether you've been friends and you're an acquaintance, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about the whole spectrum. What we think in our mind is the way that I'm going to have this person be, uh, come to a place where we can reconcile is I'm going to give them some instructions. Here's what you have to do. And here's how you have to do it. You have to show me. Don't say it. Don't say you're sorry. I want you to show me that you're sorry. That's how we think about stuff. You guys with me this morning? Yes. What sense would it make? Or let me just say this. It doesn't make any sense for me to say to somebody who has destroyed me, let me be the one who initiates opening up this door for reconciliation. And then let me tell you there's nothing you can do to reconcile. I am simply going to give you this gift of grace. Now here's, what I, here's the point that I'm trying to make with this. 
Do you know that our sin is an offense against Jesus Christ? And he is the one who's been offended. And we are the one who's that offender. We are the one who has crushed him every single day with the things that we do. It pains the Holy Spirit when we sin. Now, we have to have an understanding, a healthy understanding of the seriousness of sin. In 2 Samuel 11, talks about David and Bathsheba. David, in the spring, it says, when all kings go off to war, he had a tower built. This tower was supposed to have protection around it, but he built it without that. He built it with the intention for him to look down. He looked down and he saw a woman bathing. And he talked to his um, servants and said, go call for her. Long story short, she ends up being pregnant by David. Now David, wanting to cover up what he was doing, sent for this woman's husband who was at war for him. Brings him back and says, sleep with your wife because I don't want to be the one found out here. Okay? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing this whole story. And he sits on his front porch because he says, all of my brother, my brethren are out fighting and here I am with my, with my wife hanging out. So he sits on his porch. He doesn't do anything. David gets a little bit upset with that, so he puts him on the front line. Guess what happens to this guy? He gets killed. All of this gets revealed to David and confronted. He gets confronted in this. And if you go to Psalm 51, that's David's prayer of repentance for what he did. Psalm 51, if you want to know how to repent, you read right through that. And there's a line in there, there's a, a scripture in there that shows us what our sin does and who we are sinning against. See, I can, I can wrong Kayla or Rick or Beck and that can be looked at as sin. But David says to the Lord, it is against you and you alone, Father, that I have sinned. I don't, I, I don't want us to walk out of here missing that. That when we sin, it pains Jesus. Now, can you imagine being pained by 8 billion people <laughs> all day, every day? Okay? I get pained by my dog because he eats my sock and I can't handle it, you know? Let alone 8 billion individuals. But you know what he says? What's being communicated through these verses? This propitiation. He says, every time we are in each other's presence, let me, Jesus, take this sin that you have, move it out of the way that has offended me, and let me give you something, salvation, by way of grace, freely. There's nothing you can do to earn it, and there's nothing you can do to deserve it. You can't show me. You can't uh, do X, Y, Z to make sure that I understand that you're real in what you're saying. That's what you got to understand about this gift of, of the gospel. It was freely given by grace from somebody who hung on the cross for what I did however many days, minutes, years ago. Don't, that's not really in order. Whatever. 
Are you guys with me this morning? That's how, that, that, that's the magnitude of what's being communicated here. The one who's being offended is the one who's making a way and opening up a door for you to reconcile with him. And he also says, guess what? In order to walk through that door, there's no amount of works that you can do. There's no amount of this, that, and the other thing that will cause your sin to be blotted out. I'm simply going to say, it's okay. I'll tell you what, that makes me not want to slap God in the face with my sin every single day. Amen? Again, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. And then it says this, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So that's the entire Old Testament. There was a message that was preached however many months ago when we were at the Hilton. And uh, I think Beck was preaching it and he made a statement that is so true and has changed the way that I look at the Old Testament. The gospel is in every scripture. Not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not just Matthew through Revelation. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21-22 or 22-21, whatever it is. It's in the whole thing. The whole thing. The law, as the Jews were tasked to carry this, didn't even see that the whole thing was pointing right to Christ. Even the law in and of itself points and witnesses the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. In everything that I do that I think is righteous in and of myself, and everything that I do that I think that I can justify my, my flesh by getting my tasks done during the day. Even in that, even in my weakness, it points to the gospel. In my weakness, he's made strong. Amen? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I love this part. For all those who believe. Again. I love how simple the word is. The word is very, very simple in saying who this is for. It is for the individual who has been a believer for 30 years and still struggles with alcohol. It is for the believer who has been a believer for 10 seconds and doesn't really have any kind of understanding of the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but yet the transformation was real. It's for the non-believer. It's for the person who beats themselves up every day. It's the, for the person who, for whatever reason, doesn't think that they're worthy. This does not exclude anybody, and it doesn't exclude you and your shortcomings, and your transgressions, and your iniquities, and the places that we fall short. For the past five weeks, we've been reading about, wow, <laughs> I've had it wrong. <laughs> There's some things that I need to reevaluate. There's some things that I place some stock in that I need to not place that importance in anymore. And then we get to a point where he says, there's a way. There's another way. In fact, it's the only way. And as American dreamish as we are, let's come and just work. Opportunity. 
This is not one that you can work for. This is, the, this is a type of message that I wish all of these pews were filled with non-believers so they could just hear how much this grace and this love wants to be poured out on them. But in the same breath, those of you who are here, don't, you know, I don't want you to think that that's unimportant. <laughs> it's the same thing for you. It's the same thing for you. He also says, for there is no distinction. And this is, in essence, a little bit of a conclusion from the past couple chapters. Now let's move to the next slide there. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all know the... Uh, we all know the uh, Greek interpretation of that, right? The word all means all. Nobody's excluded, okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of glorifying God. We've fallen short of... Yeah. I mean, there's really no other explanation than that when it comes to Anything that's in you that you feel as though, let me back up for a second. Anything in you that comes from you in efforts to try to give God the glory, we fall short in it. And basically what that is saying is that separate from simply being a tool and an instrument, we fall short. I can tell the Lord, here's what I'm going to do for you. And he can sit up on his throne, he probably does, and he just... Says, that's, that's good, son. I'll wait. Here's how I'm going to glorify you, Lord. Here's how I'm going to lift you up. Okay, good. He never asked me to do anything for him. He asks everybody in this room and every believer and everyone who he's ever created to simply just yield and stop striving. Cease striving. Man. That helps me out. Every time I think about that, wow, let me, just, let me just stop. Let me just relax. In my own effort, I will fall short. But when I stop and do nothing and he tells me what to do and he does it through me, that's the only way that glorification to the throne comes. And I tell you what, it takes the pressure off of you. <laughs> a, lot, a lot less anxiety on that one. And I'm into that. But here we go. This analogy that I, that I spoke to you earlier, it says, being justified, don't miss this one this morning, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. That gift, ladies and gentlemen, of, of, of having somebody hurt you to the point where, and this just blows my mind, you're the one who seeks reconciliation with them. And then you say to that person, let me take care of it. Now I'll tell you what, for the people who've hurt me in my life, I'm like, no, I'm good. We don't want to go down that road. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you guys can say the same thing, but again, I can't drive this home enough. Jesus 
being the offended, has spoken to us, the offender, and said, I'm going to open a door for you. I'm going to make a way. And not because I saw you prosper. Not because I've seen you do all of these good Christian things. Now, a cross-reference for this is Genesis, um, Genesis 39. And it's verse 4. Uh, and it speaks of Joseph. Joseph receiving grace in the sight of the king. Now, the reason why Joseph received grace in the sight of the king is because Joseph did something that pleased the king. Joseph did something that prospered himself. And so he received grace. This has nothing to do with that. That is complete opposite of who Jesus is. All right? Now, the reason I say it like that is because of verse 21, apart from the law. That the Lord took our way, our carnal human way, and said, let me be completely diametrically opposed to that, and I don't need you to understand it. I'm giving this gift freely to you. And you don't need to prosper or by your works show me that you deserve this because let's just be honest, there's nothing you can do to do that. Amen? And that stuff just, it humbles me. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation or atonement in his blood through faith. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, however you sacrifice whatever animal on whatever day and how you prepare it. Man, that's a lot to think about. That's, that's a lot to do as an atonement for your sin. Now Jesus, in one act of kindness, wiped all that away with his blood and therefore every sin that has been committed every sin that will be committed and this is weird to say in church on a Sunday morning every sin that's being committed right now huh, everyone's looking around like who's doing it <laughs> it's taken care of Beck said something earlier the Lord has it taken care of now, it's one of those things that you say to yourself to maybe reassure yourself, and then the anxiety comes back in. Well, if that statement doesn't hit, then what I'm going to pray is that the Lord removes whatever's covering up your heart for you to understand and see and experience the demonstration of the fact that, guess what? The God who conquered death, who died, rose, walked up out of the tomb, is in your corner and he has it taken care of amen being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption of uh, which is in Jesus Christ whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation and atonement in his blood through faith this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance Everybody know what forbearance is? Patience. Restraint. Huh. 
Because in the forbearance of God, he did something that we do not deserve. He passed over the sins previously committed. The entire book of Romans is about God's righteousness revealed. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The demonstration. This, excuse me. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the being patient and waiting on us to come to our senses. Just like the prodigal son. He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. I am so appreciative of this hairpin turn in Scripture, which really isn't necessarily a hairpin turn as much as it is he's continuing, Paul's continuing with the truth of what the gospel is. He's continuing with the truth so that nobody operates in a gray area. What I want for you guys this morning is to, as much as we see our faults, to see the success that we have in Jesus Christ. The success that we have in the gospel. And how true and how potent and how deep that goes. Do we spend time thinking about that? Or do we spend time beating ourselves up? Do you spend time holding yourself up against that wall and holding a gun to your head because mm, you know you've fallen short? Now see, there's another side of the story. There's only one way. And that one way is not something that we can do excuse me, not something that we can earn. Be encouraged this morning by this truth. How, how much we fall short on a daily basis, but yet how much he makes up for that. And that his heart is to love. His heart is to be there for you. His heart is not to let you lie face down in the gutter. As much as it is to bring you in to a proper working and an alignment with his heart. Are you guys with me this morning? Man, I've been waiting to get to this part of the scripture. Because as much as the fire and brimstones or brimstones messages, excuse me. I don't want to say I like preaching those, but it's just like, yeah, let's just get to it. We're wrong, and he's right. And then we get to look at the, the clarity of what the gospel is. And how that in and of itself, I want that to, well, I, yes, but Jesus intended for that to cut deeper than anything else. You are not second class citizens, okay? You are not people who are the sum of your sin. You are not the sum of your sin. However, sin is real. But we have an answer. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's get ready for our uh, offering this morning. And do we have, since it's the first Sunday of the month, do we have communion? Okay. 
Well, that's good. Let's get the uh, worship team back out here as well as we close this morning. Uh, and let's, uh, let's come up here. You guys can come up front. Let's just pray for this right quick. Father, thank you so much for, um, Lord, just who you are and how in the midst of us falling short, Lord, you pick us up. And there's no lost children to you. Everybody's important. And Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, we can understand how you have every right in the world to snuff us out because of our sin. But Lord, you choose not to. You choose not to. And for that, Lord, for your patience, we are so grateful. And Lord, I just pray for the offering as it gets passed that, Lord, we would be obedient to you and see it as a, an act of worship to just give. And what is given would be given with a joyful heart. So Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. You guys can pass out. glass of grape juice and a little piece of bread. I remember Julie invited me in high school to a Christmas candlelight communion service. I was clueless of what was going on. I just thought they passed this around and I was awkward. You know, should I take it? Should I not? Is this a snack? It's not very much if it is a snack. All right. See, we have no juice this morning. We have no cracker. Uh, but I believe God wants us to have communion. Uh, in the scripture, there was a word twice. There's the word demonstration. Um, why in the world would we want to not have a demonstration? See, the kingdom of God is not in words. It's in power. And that power exhibits itself in this um, amazing story. You know, sometimes we can hear an amazing story so many times it's not amazing. It's like, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, or any adult in a Charlie Brown thing. It was a wah, 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 you know. Uh, and I'm not saying anything about the sermon was like that. Very, very true. But see, the, the, the demonstration is that he's a justifier. He makes us just as if we had never messed up. And he becomes not only the justifier, but he's also just. He demonstrates himself as the perfect repairer of the breach. And he also provides the repair. Isn't that something? 
So this morning, it's, it's, it's not a matter, I'm not going to make you do anything crazy, all right? Um, but it may be a little crazy to you, all right? Is that some of us deal with something to where, uh, the, in Hebrews it says that we're to lay aside every sin which so easily besets us. Yeah, all of us got us. You can't tempt me with strawberry ice cream. Why not? I don't like it. But there's other stuff, man. It's it's that tender piece. And it, how many millions of times have we felt bad about it? Whatever it is. And I think there's that piece God wants us by faith to receive his justification for right now. On the other hand, there's somebody we know that man is stuck in something. We've seen him hurt. We've seen him go through it. We've, we've, we've hurt for him. And we need to act as also ambassadors of this propitiation. Propitiation means somebody appeased and solved the problem. And so we need to stand for somebody in our life. Now maybe we have 600 people. Always, there's always crazy Uncle Joey. Okay. Uh, we always have somebody. But let's just pick out one today. Let's ourselves be that one who receives us by faith. And let's ourselves be that one who's an ambassador for somebody else. Can we do that? You don't have to get up and stand around. You can just do it right where you're at. All right. But I think it would be really good, all right, if we just allowed ourselves the demonstration this morning. To walk out of here not having a good sermon, but to walk out of here be not only vessels who receive this word, but we're also those who what? Represent that word. Is that okay with you? Right, here we go. Why don't you put your hands in your heart? We're not going to say the Pledge of Allegiance, all right? Uh, Father, we just come before you today in Jesus' name. All of us, all of us have fallen short. All of us have that sin which so easily besets us. And the blood of Jesus is especially effective for that which breaks us, that which causes us to be shameful. That's what causes us to think, well, I can't really pray for somebody else because I haven't dealt with that sin today. I really, it's still, it's still accusing me. Well, now, Lord, by faith in that which you've done and that which your blood avails, well, Father, I confess I believe in you. I put my trust in you and not my brokenness. I put my trust in you, Father, and not the situation. I put my trust in you, and it's not about people. Father, forgive me. I've fallen short. Forgive me for this. I know, Lord, I've said forgive me a million times. But, Father, there's only one source that I will ever come to to ask forgiveness. You are the it. And, Father, today I'm going to go home, and I'm going to leave that burden right here in this this aisle, this pew, Father. And you're free because of the blood of Jesus. And now, Father, we pray for that person that's been on our heart. And, Father, we've seen him suffer. We've seen him go through cycles. We've seen him stuck. And we've gotten so used to their being stuck. We've got a special place in our heart for that disappointment and hurt for them. But today, Father, we just stand for them. Father, in faith, that, Father, you're the justifier. That, Father, we forgive them for their disappointing us. And we forgive them 
for how, Father, they've hurt other people. And, Father, we ask that be forgiven, Father, in themselves. Father, because they hate it, too. So, Father, it says the sins we forgive are forgiven. And the sins we retain are retained. And so, Father, whoever that is today, Father, we just lift them up to you for their freedom and their recognition. And so we take the cup of Jesus' blood and we drink it. And we do this in remembrance of you, that you said, take and drink, this is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And Father, we take the bread of life, that, that, that very person of Jesus, and Father, we, we take him into our, we ingest him. Because Father, this is his body that was broken for us. There's no way you're not going to take this city and bring the testimony of Christ to every part of it. Ruin our thinking about how hard to reach our community is. That is our sin. Because there is a message and a, and a demonstration of you that's for everyone. So Father, we bless you for filling this house with the hungry and the broken. And Father, those that are being raised up to new life. Those that are being equipped and being sent. We honor you for this and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. Let's, uh, let's stand to our feet and close here with this song and I'll pray and uh, send you guys home. Splendor of the King, the Majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And don't see how great, how great is our God. Age to age, he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God had three in one. Oh, Father, speak. The lion and the lamb, the lion and the lamb. How great is our God? Oh, sing with me, how great is our God? And don't see how great, how great is our God. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord, and for just your, your justification, Lord. 
just as it was spoken, you repaired the breach. Lord, there's a breach in our life that needs repairing. And God, I pray that you would be that brick and mortar. Lord, that you would fill those holes. Because nothing else will suffice. Father, I pray that as we go from this place, we can be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. And know that we've been made clean as if nothing has happened. And that was by your will and your will alone. And Lord, we are so thankful for that this morning. So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys are free.